All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, it's Laia. So we're back with part two of our Questlove Supreme in Atlanta with Dallas Austin. Now, if you missed part one, that's when Dallas spoke about growing up around some amazing musicians. He talked about his earliest credits and making those big ass hits with Boys to Men and TLC. Make sure you check that out. In the meantime, get ready for this amazing part two. Enjoy. Yo, all right, look, illegal. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Illegal, Dude, y'all oh so stupid. Um, no, just stay on illegal. Yeah, I want to hear some yeah, nightmare need, stories. Need, yeah. Because oh, do, you, do you remember the Snoop story in the source? Oh, with um, when Jamal, when Jamal was makes with, fun of what? Were, what was that like? Because they had beef too. They was beefing against the uh, everybody, 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 dude. When I first so, so left eye, she she brought me these kids one day to the studio, and she was getting ready to go on the road. She so I got this group. You got to sign in a rowdy. They're dope. They're like a little red man, little trash. <laughs> I'm sorry, that and description so is funny. When they came to the studio. They were finishing each other's sentences. They were like, them dudes was like dope. They was like, yo, no, no. They, they, they throwing dice with each other. I'm like, these little dudes is bad as shit. She's like, well, keep them with you. I got to go on tour. That should have been a strike one. <laughs> right? So Y'all know how to play dice? They stay in the studio with me at Dark. We have rooms in there, right? So the kids, are, everybody's loving these kids. Like Eric Sermon, Buster Rhymes, everybody that's in my studio work, Diamond D. Everybody's mm-hmm. working with me already. So the kids come in and they out rapping everybody. They are rapping mm. and cussing and rapping and cussing and, you know, hit a gut. What you want? Hit a gut. Pop, yeah. pop. So nobody's ever seen kids curse like that. And how old is illegal? I forget they when they started. 11, like, 12, 11. Oh, God. Like, so then yeah. I took them to Arista so Clive could see them. They jump up on the damn conference room table, kick, oh, off, no. kick off everybody's coffee cups. Like I'm like, okay, I just The original it. Bobby Schroeder. Like, just ruin this shit. So like, but then after, Clive was like, amazing, amazing, it starts. So I'm like, cool. We started to work on this record, right? And so Lisa goes out of town. The two of them, about three or four days later, Malik comes up to me and says, yo, man, you got the blunt? I said, what? You 12. I'm not smoking no, what is a blunt, by yeah, the way? And I'm not smoking nothing you with said, you. said, what is a blunt? I didn't even know what it was then. 
They're about to steal smoking papers. He dumped the gun out. He said, okay, he put out his pocket on his own and his own weed. Dumped it out and started rolling in front of me. And I'm like, what? what's going on, man? I got to talk to you, D. He said, he said, this is Malik. He said, that motherfucker Jamal, I don't know him. What? Wait, what? I, Wait, I, said, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are y'all, we, shot the head, we had just shot the, the head of gut video and then they want to go solo. Because he's like, man, he said, let me tell you something. I don't know this motherfucker. I met him the same day we left eye. We ain't wow. been together like that. I said, wow. what? Oh, he said, wow. yeah. He said, I don't trust that motherfucker. I have to sleep with one eye open. He's 12, by the way. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my Belly. solo D. I'm going to get my this. So I'm like, hold on, hold on. We just spent, we, y'all got to do head of gut. We just did the video. We did yeah. gets busy. Y'all got to follow this out. You can't go solo right now, right? <laughs> so check this shit out. Right. The first promo tour started in L.A. Mm. All right, this $500,000 promo tour that they got because Clive Davis is going crazy about them, mm. right? Mm. So they get to LA and they decide that they're going to stay with Dre and Snoop. Oh, right? oh no, no, no. Who let them do what their parents Great influences. They, they, oh, parents is on the way their parents are. They had a picnic <laughs> one day and they don't got with Dre and Snoop Dumb. and they death rowing. They, they turned the mascots. They turned oh, they, wow. they there, right? So now Aristotle's calling me like, yo, man, the kids. They won't leave LA. They're threatening the, the the BMG reps and everything else with hit them with hammers in the head and you know they got little guns and all this shit. So I'm like, so I'm like, all right. So Clive calls Dallas. This is crazy. You have to go get the kids. Wow. I said I got to go get the kids from where? <laughs> I know that's right. I don't know. I ain't he said from, from death row. You got to go meet with Suge. That sentence don't sound no. right. No. Uh uh. You can have these little dudes. I ain't, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Dallas. We have too much money on the table. You have to go get the kids. You gonna get them clapped. So me, yeah, right. <laughs> so I left it. So me, my man K Wells, we go out to death row. We pull, get up in the elevator. Man. Get off the elevator. It's just big dudes everywhere. Ain't no posters, ain't no plaques, Ugh. ain't no record. I'm stressed. It's just yeah, like, like when we was at wood panel and walls, right? <laughs> yes. So I walk into another room. It's a fold out table, fold out chair. That's what we should desk and a red carpet that's a death row, like a red round thing, right? But that's it. No, nothing else, right? Oh. So we walk in there, we're sitting there, so she'll come in. Man, what's up, D man? You know, so good, man. You know, artists ain't loyal, man. You know how artists get, man. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> so he's like, the boys got out here with Dre and Snoop, man, and you know they just they just want to be on death row now. You know they just want to do. I said, I tell you what, just give me back what we spent. You can have them. He said, no, no. I was thinking we could do them together. You know, rowdy death row. Uh-uh, I don't what. I was like, man, I'm cool on it. I'm like, you can just just give Clyde back what they spent. You can have them. You know what right? I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get out of here. Right, right, right. <laughs> so he goes, well, man, what? The kids want to see you real quick, man. They want to say, hey, you know. So they come out of the, they come out of the wall. <laughs> they look like <laughs> they the wall, came out the wall. The, the wall, like panel, the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard. The panel wall opened up, and these little dudes. Now they're about 13, 14. They still can't drive, right? All right. Mm-hmm. 13, 14. So they're like, it's high as I don't know what. Hey, man, Dallas, it ain't me, it's him, man. It ain't me, it's you, niggas. It ain't me, it ain't them. They are high on Sherm or whatever it is. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. We can work this out later. I'm just, let me get out of here, right? So I get back to Atlanta. Two days later, Malik shows up. Oh, party over? Oh, yeah. He's like, no, no, I can I, I can deal out there. He says, let me tell you something, man. Jamal Grandma put some roots on me. What, 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 huh? Yeah, you say what a legal story you hear. Jamal Grandma put some roots on me. I said, what are you talking about, man? He's like, man, well, I'm just telling you like this, man. My shit swelled up. And I said, so that's because you out there with Death uh, Row, probably messing with them little, little girls or whatever. Not wrapping it up, you know, B. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, this is how he talks to you, too. No, I'm a virgin, my nigga. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our clip for the Dallas Austin episode, <laughs> the next Questlove Supreme. Oh, so, like, talking about, but check this out. It gets even worse. So, 
He said, so I went to the doctor. Dad corrupted me to the doctor. He said, so the doctor said they didn't know what this was. What happened to me? So then he said, Dad corrupted. said, we got to take you to this lady in the hood. Uh-uh. So you take it to the lady in the hood. The lady in the hood says, oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody put some on you. You need to take a bath in this milk or this stuff you gave me. He said, so I did that. They went down. I got my ass on the plane. And here I am. I'm here. Ready to do my solo record. Oh, okay. <laughs> said, solo record. Okay. We still, are we there? We no. Okay. <laughs> nah, now, the other part about this is, meanwhile, they got a record out, gets busy. They got head of gut out. And, and Arista is just trying to do everything they can to... Push the guys that they can't get a hold to. I remember it was the red tape. I had the tape. red, tape, red yep. tape. Yeah, we get all the way through the whole. Now they never went on no promo tour. That all got kicked out of the window from them being crazy or whatever. Out, they stayed out mm. death row that long. Well, we get to the the Billboard Awards that year, uh, right? Now Clive Davis is getting twenty something awards that year. He's getting all the Whitney Houston's. All you know, he just rack. He's just doing this thing, you know. So, rap category come up. <laughs> cool like that. Diggable planets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hip hop array, not about nature. Ah, right. We gets busy, illegal. People are like okay. And the winner is illegal. We gets busy. Stop it! I thought that was wow. the whole point. Wait, what? Right? Yeah. The, the fix is in. You can see us looking Clark. at each other. Like, <laughs> like, you a bad now, boy. if the kids did what they were supposed to do, it made sense, mm-hmm. right? Because they would have went on the promo tours Damn. and people would have got you know they would have been blown up. But Clive got to put his bids in early. Yeah, yeah. It was almost embarrassing. <laughs> like, oh my you God. know, he wasn't as big as Diggable Planets or Hip Hop Ray or none of that. Because Jamal yeah. ended up getting the solo deal. Jamal, both of them did. So uh, Malik ended up doing his. Solo deal we did. Emily goes on. I like Fade Jamal. Oh, Jamal did Fade yeah, Jamal. Keep it real was the one though. Yep, was keep the it real. And they were they were again on that stride. They were writing their own stuff. I had the publishing company set up for them oh, as kids. Okay. I'm afraid to ask this. That question. Me, yeah, please. I want you to ask it. I want to know too. Go ahead. Where are they now? Oh my god. Please okay. say something sweet. Please They're around to where <laughs> They're breathing. <laughs> okay, that's all that matters. No, that's no, okay. I see, we see Jamal every now and then, but okay. I, they have had times with me before. They was like, man, we fucked up. We sorry, man. We just, I mean, they were doing all kinds of pistols and like, you know, driving cars into people's houses, stealing the engineer's cars, sitting on pillows, driving the engineer cars to North Carolina. Like... And Lisa just chilled. Right. Right. She told yeah. me they were like, I, I feel like they've been so together. Sweet. Now everybody yeah. that she sees them, everybody that sees the kids, instantly fall in love with them because they oh. gamble. They like the coolest little dudes. They just they. It's cute if you spend a little time with them, but yeah. not when you invested five hundred thousand dollars. No man, like so, five hundred dollars. That was that was cute. Damn, I hate to ask about y'all so stupid. Y'all so stupid was cool because they were like you know they like our far side. They were like skateboarding mm-hmm. and drawing and doing graffiti and doing art and you know and so H two O still does the same thing. Still yeah. doing. Art and drawing and how was uh the, you did yeah was the king and I that was on the king yeah, and I yeah, too yeah what, man. what was they like they were cool because they were just out of New York and it was just like you know Majesty was doing stuff uh doing a lot of production back then and right. I think he was in Juice or something back then too oh is this rapid um, fire whoa yeah no, it's not I mean we're going down the okay because I wanted to ask you about India Davenport but what, that's way later da- okay I didn't know what we were doing but we did <laughs> skip Highland Place mobsters oh, which, oh yeah. There's always a point where we ask, like, if the producers themselves get their own project out or whatever. But I personally liked Let's Get Naked. The Highland Place Monsters was crazy because the guy, Chip, who was the lead singer. I heard he actually would get naked. He would get naked on stage. And um, (laughs) then this is the time where that wasn't really cool like that, right? So, like, the first show we ever did, we did here in Atlanta. And so Let's Get Naked. And he, he's he's different, this guy. He's very, very different. <laughs> I got to Google. I don't remember. I, I heard be this afraid. 
They called him maniac in the group, and he always had on a straight jacket. I would have said they were way crazier Jodeci. Like what? Oh yeah, yeah. What yeah. I wanted Jodeci to be for fast songs. Uh, that's yeah. what Highland yeah. Place mops. Mm-hmm. Like jo- yeah. besides get on up, Jodeci never had the fast song uh, that like engaged me. So I saw them as a bad right to like their third album. But these guys, but the bad boy, the bad hide boy, your, hide your daughters group. Yeah. Was Highland Place yeah. mobsters, and that shit should have made it. And Chip was like, "He, this is this is what what kind of this how the kind of demise went down." <laughs> so, okay, we 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 did this show at the BRE. Yeah, remember BRE? Yeah. Yes. And so I was telling him like, "Okay, on this show at the BRE, you cannot take your overalls down." Cause he'll snap the overalls and then they just come down and he just butt ass naked with his socks on. No draws. So no you draws. just told him to get naked. I get it. Oh. No, I, because he had did this before at, at one show we did, and he when he did it in Atlanta, I was I had to be I'm chasing him around the stage like trying to hold, trying to hold the overalls up. Keep the yeah. up. But he but I couldn't. So in Atlanta he had jumped out on the rafters of the uh, you know how the light rafters be in front of the stage too. So he's yeah, now yeah. he on the rafters and he just butt naked. My mom, everybody's in the audience, kids. It's just you know. So it, it went it went across well on the sky page back then because everybody's talking about it. Yo, you seen the Holland Place Monster Show? You seen the Holland Place Monster Show? So there's like gift and a curse. It was like, okay, now you guys got to perform at BRE. I'm like, wow. Like, I said, but that's black radio exclusive. That's going to be like crazy. Like, oh, yeah, you got to though. We need to do it. So we go to do it. And when we get there. So all the Helen Littles tell, of the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I, yeah. So we get there. The stage is like this. So it's not high enough. So I'm telling him off the bat, yo, my man, okay, you don't cannot. drink no OE tonight and do not take your clothes off on the oh, stage. Like, these are black radio people. He's like, oh, man, I got it, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I go to the damn room, right? We're doing an interview with Cynthia Horner at yes, the time. Wow. Right on, right on. Yes. yes. He doing an interview with her. I look at him. He's licking him. Doing that yeah. So I'm like, what is he doing? He got an 84 ounce handcuffed to his hand of what? Old, old English, like a big apple juice jug of old E. Handcuffed apple to his hand. Jug. Yes, because it had a little ring, and that's why he put the handcuff shit. in. And he had that handcuff to his hand. Yo. He's like, Dallas, man, I got this shit. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh my God, we're about to go on stage like this. So we go to the stage, and he got that damn thing handcuffed to his hand, right? So finally get the get the OE off of him. I said, man, you can't jump around with this thing on. Take it off. So okay, okay. Like he sings like Sam Cook or somebody, like Tan Shrimp yes. DRB. Like Tan right, Shrimp. Real yeah. like raspy, real soulful voice, right? Absolutely. So we make it through one song mm-hmm. and then we get to Let's Get Naked. So, so he's jumping around the stage on Let's Get Naked and I see him taking off his damn thing. So I got a guitar on, by the way. So I'm just like chasing his food around the stage, holding on to that damn thing, right? So he decides that because you know, I'm holding on to him like that, that he's going to stage dive. Oh. Right? He stage dive. Well, he still had the top. He still he had, had the it. bottom part of the overalls on because I was doing this mm-hmm. when he stage dives. He stage dives and he jumps out into the audience and, and lands on somebody. Right? Yeah. Uh, the stage is like this tall. So I, I told him, don't play. stage dive. It's not high enough. Right? Well, we get to finish the performance. We go upstairs. All of a sudden, like LA and Babyface come come running upstairs. Boop, 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 boop. Let us in. Get in. Yo, Suge Knight and them downstairs, and they're looking for the boy with the blonde hair. <laughs> Why? Well, he has a group called Poor Broken Lonely, and he landed on the girl's neck. Oh, and boy. she's at the hospital. Oh, so wow. Suge Knight, Dr. Dre, and everybody with them is ready to kill all y'all. Oh. So we're like, oh shit. Now LA and Babyface, we got another knock at the door with Suge came. LA and Babyface ran the bathroom. <laughs> that was my boy. <laughs> Shut the door. We don't know what's going on. What's going on? Breathe. Yeah. Suge at the door. 
Like, yo, open the door. We're trying to get to the blonde nigga. Open the door. Try to get to the blonde dude. So now Chip, who's nobody to be, he's crazy too. He's out of his mind. I met him Clearly. with machine guns and he's crazy. Karate, all this. So first he turned into, let's go check it out, man, to see if the girl's all right. Said, what? No, you don't want to go out there. They're trying to kill the blonde dude. We're bringing them motherfuckers in here then. Let's go. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so we got to calm this down. Well, at this point, the police then came up and took Dre and Shug, you know, said, y'all got to get out of hallways because they was beating on the doors and stuff. I was going to wait in the lobby for them to come downstairs. Ooh. Police came in. They said, look, we got a problem. It's about 200 people in red downstairs oh. <laughs> waiting, oh. waiting on y'all. So we're going to need y'all to leave. And we're going to take y'all down through the kitchen and put y'all on the bus and y'all going to Atlanta. So they wow. had we, we walk out. It's police lined up all down the hallways. Right? We get on the bus, take off, get to Atlanta. I mean, take off to get out of there. And then that was this, I don't know if y'all remember this, but they got into a riot in that BRE at that time in the hotel room. And they, I mean, in the hotel lobby. And they brought the horses in. Oh, shit. And they had people, they were hitting familiar. them with the sticks I and stuff I, to get yeah. them out of there. It was a big mess. Wasn't it also Luke related? Yep. Yeah, okay. I remember Luke telling the story. Yep. So then that too. distracted them? That was all, yeah. All that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. after that, the Highland Place mobsters was like... <laughs> was a rap. <laughs> it was a rap. <laughs> nah, I've heard that same story. My man Eric Robeson, he was at that event. Now, he, didn't know all that. he told me damn near verbatim, word for word, told me that same story this was like 10 years ago. So, oh yeah. my God. Dude, like... Okay, so th this answers my question. Like, we were begged to go to these Jack the Rappers. Yep. How can I be down mm -hmm. events and the label would never let us go? Yep. And now I get the sneaky suspicion that that was orchestrated because they were scared for you. It was, yeah, it yeah. wasn't always like that. But look, this is who Dallas roll with. It started to get like, you know, as as time went on and music started to change, well, it started yeah. to get a little more like that because you're going to have the gangsters showing up and, you know, they're not showing up by themselves. They're going to bring the whole airplane oh, and everybody. Oh, else. speaking of gangsters, uh, your relationship or uh, dealing with Haitian Jack. Oh, Jack. Man. You know Haitian Jack? Oh, yeah. Wait, how do you know he knows Haitian Jack? Haitian Jack, he talks about it on his, uh, in the uh, oh, FX the documentary. He spent time yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Jack. Right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't watch that shit. He's, it was good. It's like, it's thorough. It's I didn't know, good. but when I first met him, he was down, you know, he was down in Atlanta. He had his 850. <sighs> and I think they were like, they were notorious. They wasn't really like dope boys. It was like getting the dope boys or whatever. They was taking the money. Mm -hmm. So they was in Atlanta. And, um, me and him got cool. Like you know, everybody kind of like me, you know, because I don't mess Are with nobody. Are you the crazy like that, magnet? You know, like, like, how do you not? <laughs> like, literally, everyone that you work with has a level of edge. Yeah, that <laughs> minus boys to men. I mean, T. I, I mean, T. So by, maybe not T. Birds of a eye. feather. Yeah, flock I mean, together. No, they just, they just they're like you know, they feel safe. I'm in the music mm -hmm. business. I'm cool. I ain't really like with no, you know. So they feel like they they want to protect you, you know. And that's my yeah, man, yeah. kind of thing. So like, I was in New York with Jack for the first time when I when I met him in New York, and uh, he was like, "Man, you know, I want to take you to uh, what was it? The, the Supper Club." Okay. Mm -hmm. So we go there and we standing outside in the line and, and Jack's trying to, you know, say to the guys, hey, you know, I got my, my guest here, I got Dallas here, you know, we're getting the table, tell Vince and I'm here, whatever, right? So the guy ain't coming. Just, this is when I really started, started to realize who this was. The guy's not showing up. So Jack's like, yo, did you tell Vincent I'm out here? He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, man, Jack, he said, hold up. He's like, all right, I, I tell you what, you tell him I'm coming back and I'm shutting this motherfucker down. Everybody in the, everybody in the line, that was standing outside, they just started to leave. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. And I was like, okay, okay. Then the dude came running up. No, Jack, 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 Jack. Come here back. So I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? You know? Um, and then as I started working with Madonna, people like that, then Jack yeah. 
Jack mm-hmm. started to be around dating. me and that, yeah. and you know, being I did not out. know that. Wait, then, what? Yeah, I did not Jack, know yeah. that either. Her, they was they used to date, Haitian yeah. Jack and Madonna. Yeah, yo, she's she's is that she's, in the words in the words of in the yeah. Well, it came from me first. Yeah, and then I, I was afraid to ask. Yeah, because we're kind of friends, but I feel yeah. like you know the edgier Madonna. Yeah, I got. We was hanging out a little bit first, yeah. friendlier Madonna. To, yeah, trying to, to yeah, yeah, and, but then. It was after that, Rodman and Jack and Tupac. Mm-hmm. All that was in that same kind of little circle where she was trying to have a little edge at the time. Oh. She was trying to be in the streets. At so the you time. gave her yeah. the first taste brown. Then she'd be like, that brown like is that. nice. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. But then Jack got a hold to it. I mean, it was, this is a funny story. So after I finished working on the album, Madonna took the record and mixed it with Nelly Hooper. Nelly mm-hmm. Hooper. So, right? so. But I was supposed to go out and mix it on that date. So it's like August 20th, we're mixing the record, come to LA. All right. It's all right, cool. And when I'm going there, she's like, well, I already mixed it. I already mixed it up with Nelly and it's coming out and here it is. Sent it to me. So I was like, what? How do you want to take my stuff and mix it? You know what So I'm pissed off. I don't even want to talk to you no more. You don't take my joints and all this. So then I'm in New York and I'm riding with Jack. And he goes, uh, that's the phone. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Dallas. He's right here. Hey, Madonna wants you to come by and hear the album, man. She she really wants you to come by the house, man. She really wants you to come here. I said, I'm not trying to go over there. Yeah, he said, you don't want to come out there. She said, please, man, just come by. I said, why am I talking to you to, 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 to talk to Madonna right, right, right. <laughs> on the phone, right? So we getting up going over the house to listen to the record. I was like, uh, it was just weird because I'm sitting there listening to the song. I said, well, you know what? You did just mess up my mixes. You messed up everybody's mixes. So I feel all right. And then she was I was like, going to say, are you allowed to be honest? I, 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 yeah. I okay. mean, I was pissed off. Um and this is what record is this? Human nature? This is uh Secret. This Se- is Survival. Oh, this is oh, like okay. we did all these songs together. And it just started going south, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, like we ended up making up because we had, it was just like firing at one point. I, I wish I still had the letter that she wrote me. She that, wrote letters? Yeah, she wrote then, one to Tupac too. It's in this Mission Museum. She uh, wrote me a letter yeah. going off. Where I, was, I should understand her struggle because it's the same as like the black man and Yo, the this gee, and the other. On, man, and boy, I went firing back. You, man, you chugging up that Right. So then after about, but after a few years, it was like, you know what? I don't have no bad energy with nobody on the planet. And I don't want none. And so one day I called her. She was doing like a Vita or something. I just called out of the blue and I was like, hey. She's like, "Uh uh-oh. What did I do to deserve this call now? I'm like, nope. It's your record. You know what I'm saying? I learned a lot from you. As long as it turned out the way you wanted it to be, I should be happy with that mm-hmm. because it ain't. It's, it's up to you. It's your record. I'm working for you on that. Proud so I want to I want to squash this the energy. And let's just be cool. And then from that point, was was good. Do you think that was like was that the first time you learned that lesson as a producer of just learning just to let things go? Yeah. Well, the boys, the man, when they put out the rough mixes, oh, the rough I had to let that one go because I wouldn't even listen to it. I didn't listen to that record for years. I was selling millions of records, and then just like my mom was working at Disses at Barbecue too, so I was like in bad contracts. So uh, I really wanted my stuff to be like what Teddy's would sound like, or what some what you know the other records I would hear would sound like. And when mm-hmm. they put that out, I was just like, that's one. So then working with her was another one. I had, I had a lot of humbling experiences because when you come from being a creator and then you get to the label side, you have to look at it both ways, you know? Wait, so, so even Motown Philly was a rough mix? Rough mix. I mean, you kind of acknowledge now like it's effective and a banger, but the, the version in your mind was way bigger or? Yeah, it's like, you know, I had drums still on four tracks instead of having them all separated. Trapper, yeah. Okay, yeah, I feel you there. <laughs> It's so hard to say goodbye yesterday. Was that always an acapella? Or did you initially have music behind it and stripped it? It was always acapella. I just did the, put it like a bass and the, um, and the snaps to it and kind of let the ooze and stuff be the, the, the music to it. Okay. 
Oh man, uh, one of the producers used to run with you, Spearhead X. Oh yeah. What's up with? That's who just called me when they called me. Maybe went off. Oh okay. What's he up to these days? He has a coalition DJs. They're the biggest DJ group around. So if you got records that you need to get placed, then play in the strip clubs, whatever. That's X. He was he was my NR for like all the y'all so stupid. Yeah, because he did what you call on the legal album, the the lights, the legal record. Yeah, yeah, record. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can we talk joy? Sunshine and rain joy. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Pendulum vibe. Yeah. Don't say nothing. I don't know. This is like this is like Snoop now. <laughs> yeah, he know what he gotta be. 
Pendulum vibe. Go in. Yeah, she it was it was cool because during that time, you know how it was with D'Angelo and Joy, and like it was just that phase of what they started to call neo soul that was coming out of uh, Yin Yang out here. Yin Yang Cafe, the Yin Yang Cafe had everybody mm-hmm. in there. It was mm-hmm. like and that's when I think music. That's before that actually started to come out as neo soul. When you have Indiari and Joy and Erica and everybody's kind of playing in Yin Yang, yeah, and funk jazz, yeah. And when we did the Sunshine and the Rain record, or just the whole record, it was such a different record for what I was working on at the time. I didn't want to go do the same. I never wanted to do the same thing on anybody. I kind of couldn't. I didn't know how to do it. So I would just go do whatever that person was. I would produce that person. And Joy was just like full on. She brought so much knowledge of stuff I didn't know at the table, like the Betty Davises and stuff. And like, and just being her own element that it just, it was amazing. And she's just one of those artists that somebody's going to keep it real. They're going to keep it 100% on the ground. They don't care. Fishbone was the same way. You know, I I talked to Fishbone one time and say, uh, I wanted them to do Spirits of the Material World over, right? Ah, wow. Because I was like, we at Arista, bro. All right, we got a deal at Arista. We can do the whole punk album. We can do Alcoholic. We can do everything. But just give me Spirits of the Material World so the Clive and them can take it and do something with it. Like, that's, man, that's that the, been crazy. He's like, no, man, that's the police. That ain't real, Scott, bro. Oh, man. And I'm like, we ain't selling out. I'm like, but I know, but we at Arista now. You just did Lollapalooza last year with Swim, and you were huge with that record. Right. So let's keep going. You're Fishbone. Nobody cares if you sing a Garth Brooks record. You're still Fishbone, I'll say right? Fishbone, yeah. So they wouldn't do it. And then um, uh, I ran into Flea, and they had just did Roller Coaster. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, and we all at the studio, and I said, yo, man, so did y'all feel like y'all sold out doing roller coaster? He's like, nah, man, we had fun. MTV wanted it. It was cool. And I said, so I'm trying to get Fishbone to get, because when you're alternative, and I understand it, because I grew up in alternative to the max. I was mm-hmm. just like, I, didn't, I was that guy. But I also grew up watching alternative turn big and become the mainstream. Marshall. And it turned with the Chili Peppers, the difference in them doing uh, the George Clinton records and doing the records with Rick Rubin. Right. Yeah. You know, alternative went to another spot. And that's why even with even with Joy's and I think a lot of the artists that, you know, they have a certain kind of integrity they just don't want to cross over into doing anything that doesn't feel like Because they feel like, like they compromise themselves. They feel like they compromise themselves. What was the deal with her second album, uh, The Bieber Cleansing Syndrome? Kind of the same. We, you know... Because um, it not it, because it never got officially released. What, it never what got happened? officially released because in between that time, you know, and then EMI around the same time starts to say, okay, now we, you know, stuff is happening. We have D'Angelo's and we have this. Now we need more of this. You know that mm-hmm. when you start to say that to an artist, they just be like, <sighs> especially the artists like Joy, because she feels like she was a spearhead of a lot of it. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, so it's kind of hard to take her, tell her to go back and do something, you know. That she didn't want to, that she didn't feel like doing. Time to smile. That was my one on that record. I Time love to that smile. Song. That yeah, was a great man. Song, man. You know, you worked with back when he was still Terrence Trent Darby. Sananda. Now What's his Sananda. name? Sananda Matreya. Sananda, Sananda Matreya. Yeah. Yo, it just hit me that you literally have every eccentric artist ever. Because <laughs> next I'm going to Michael Jackson. But what was it like working with him? It was a trip because he so he he had just turned himself into Sananda, so he was in that middle kind of thing. You know, he had a dream where the angel came and told him they needed to change his name, and he he did it. And so, but his as soon as you hear him sing, yeah, it's like when you hear that voice. It's like when I was working with Duran Duran. As soon as you hear that voice, like the Simon, you're like, oh man, that it just resonates mm-hmm. instantly to you, and you're you're like, and he was amazing. He's like. I think he was still one of the artists that at that time when we worked together, you know, coming off of all the success. When you get when, in that era, when you got a lot, a lot, a lot of success like that, some people just start hating it. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Kurt Cobain and them. The people just started hating the success and then they didn't want to, 
sometimes when they do that, they don't want to make the best record. Self-sabotage. There's a lot of self-sabotage and all that. But who is your ideal subject that you work with? They take your constructive criticism good. And who can't you tell anything to? Nope, I'm doing one take or whatever. Or like, oh, Janet Jackson was the easiest one. Okay, she's the easiest person I ever worked with. Really? So, yes, Dallas. What do you want, Dallas? What do you want, Dallas? Yes, Dallas. You're. Yeah. I mean, not one throwback on nothing. And then Taskmaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. The hardest one I probably worked with was Macy Gray. Macy Gray. Really? Yeah. Based on what? I'm. I'm not trying to be reductive, but it, it, it was, it, she was just in the epitome of a Macy moment. I think you know. <laughs> I mean, it's case. It was, you never know. It's a different day, dude. It was insane, but it was. Theater? You know, it, it, it's because also she's a, she's her own artist with her own like you know you're short to the studio. We're supposed to be there at three. She already there at one with musicians that's been sitting around forever. Like just like, and then they're doing their own thing. You're like hold on, wait. And the label is busy going Dallas. Get control of everything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I thought I had it. I know that she's gonna be like, <laughs> right, being able to hold But it, you know, I, I've never really worked with anybody that I try to I try to source that out before. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we're gonna have good energy or not because. Sit in that room with people like that. No, that's not what we do it for. You know, I don't. I don't do this to have drama or trouble. I try to make the best music we can make with somebody who gets it. And you know, so I, that, I've never really had a bad, bad one. You know, Deion Sanders must be the money. Were you in there? <laughs> yeah, knew it was coming. You knew joint? it was coming. You Come knew it was on, coming. man. I keep going back to Suge Knight. My stories, don't it? Okay. So, two? Yeah. Two? Oh. So Suge's at the studio, and we're working on. He, I mean, Dion's working on, on he's being on death row, uh-huh. right? Because oh, Hammer was okay. Because Hammer, yeah, Hammer yeah. went to death row, right? right? So she'll come to the studio, and he goes, "Yo, man, Dion Sanders really wants you to do this record. It must be the music over. It must be the money." And I was like, "Oh no, man, I just, that's, that's probably not a good idea." You know? <laughs> he's like, "Well, you felt comfortable saying no?" Well, I, I just said that probably is not a good idea. That's a guess. That's not no. <laughs> so then he had a book, uh, a photo album. Full of cars. He opened it up. It's Lamborghinis. It's Rolls Royces. It's Ferraris. It's like, pick one. So good, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to take a car. You know, I don't want to be indebted. You know, <laughs> right, something right. like that. I understand. You know? So he's like, all right, all right, all right. I got you. I got you. So he gets on the phone. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, shit, I just want this to be over with. Dog, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a daredevil. <laughs> so then he gets back into one. He comes back in. He goes, man, look, Dion wants you to do a record. He really wants to do the record. By that time, I was about to just say, okay, right? I think right. We'll pick it out. But he goes, um, so what if I do this, man? I give you $250,000 right now. Oh. I said, to do, must be the music over? He said, yeah. I said, I got that record in the back. <laughs> we can do this now. Let's yeah. get to it. I, you want it tonight? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the fastest record I ever did with the fastest money I ever made. And the most money I ever made on any song, to what? tell you, like for as in an advance, yeah, 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 like yeah. seduce advance, like wow. And he was happy with it, and Dion was happy with it, and everybody's happy with it. Hey man, that shit was hilarious. Yeah, it didn't. First of all, I didn't even know you. You know, it did. Exactly. I found it later. But yeah, it wasn't. That was one of those things where I don't think anyone was expecting Dion to like bar mm. up. You know what I mean? So to us, it was just funny to us. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Yeah, like it, we'd be singing it because he had to rant at the end. They say money ain't gonna change me. It's gonna change me. It's gonna change my address. It's gonna change my bank account. It's, so it's gonna dude. change my leather shoes. The Gators. Like I had. I, Are yeah, you telling? I, me, all right, all right. Now talk shit on the last. On the <laughs> Shout out to Deion Sanders and his Shout evolution. Shout out to Deion. Yeah, Coach yeah. Pride. Hell yeah. Okay. For real. Yo, let's go to it. Michael, 
Oh, yeah. Now, how many songs did you do for history? I worked on Blood on the Dance Floor. They don't care about us too bad this time around. Um, uh, probably a couple other ones that we But I meant the ones that are somewhere in the vaults. Like It's a couple of them in the vaults, just tracks. Yeah. Really? But what's crazy is I got him on. Uh, I still got his beatboxing because he would beatbox into the uh, thing to show you what he wanted. Okay. So I would sample that. Yeah. Keep yeah. It. Keep <laughs> like, it. So I got his beatboxing. Now, okay, I'm so glad that the cameras are here, but here's the deal. Now, at the time... This is probably the first time that I'm a little lukewarm on a Michael record. Because every album of Michael Jackson is like a goddamn event. Yeah. You know, I'm a diehard fan to the end. But, you know, I also understand that he's probably been working on it for some time. Yeah. And too bad, just I finally warmed up to it maybe three years ago. Because Mm -hmm. I initially thought Jam and Lewis did it. But the thing that always killed, like, I know Michael's a dancer, mm-hmm. and I know he wants an audio accountability of however his bones move. Yep. So the particular rhythm in Too Bad was just... Yep. Like, I I can... Do it again. Oh. <laughs> you got that, right? Okay. okay. Well, what's funny is, he'll tell, you they don't, he'll tell you that he doesn't want the same thing. Like, right. I want to do something different. And then it winds up being it, the same. got to get back to that. So the thing is, is that history is not a bad record. And this is, and this is why I applaud what Beyonce did. Because... You know, I heard a record in the car, I heard a record on the headphones, on my computer, whatever. But when I went to the nightclub, and they played it three times, so the second time I was like, let me not stand next to them and go on the other side and see how people reacted to it. They played the entire record. And she achieved something that I know that Michael's been dying to do, which is, can I put a record on that's high adrenaline that lasts from beginning to end? She managed to do it because she managed the highs and the lows part, which for Michael Jackson always felt like every song has to be adrenaline, has to be adrenaline. It's no dynamic. So, yeah, by the time you get to the seventh song, you're already worn out because it's not like anything's executed bad or whatever, but just in one full setting. Presentation, yeah. It's it's like four gras. Like, he's stuffing you with... And by the time I got... You know, I just... I heard too bad on its own. And... But the thing is, is that the rhythm of that song can only be for a person that walks like Michael Danton. <laughs> How do you craft something with Michael Jackson if you're not a band playing it? Like that's him sitting there doing the like he he does all that. He'll be in there with you doing the this is how I wanted to feel or this is how I wanted to and he say, add more sticks. Add more sticks. But his his you know, I think like anything else though, his um when I first worked with Michael, it was like with Bruce Sweetie and them. And then I said, well, you know what? This isn't really my vibe. So I left and went back home. When I came back. You were allowed to. That's the one person you walked away from? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, it was too much going. Like, you know, Bruce Sweetie and Renee Moore was working with him. And it was kind of like. Renee and Angela Renee Moore? Yeah. And they wow. had their own little things going on. You know, they, the project's huge. So they they got their own little side hustle. The energy going is not good. Energy was not, yeah. not good. You know, yeah. so I left and went home. Michael called me back. and was like, Dallas, why did you leave? I was like, well, you know, I was at the studio with those guys, and I'm not really want to be a part of what's going on over there. He's like, oh, no, no, well, come back and work over here with me at this studio. I, I'm in the studio here, and, and, and Jimmy Jam and them is here. I said, oh, yeah, that's where I want to be. So I come back, and I walk in the room, and Jimmy Jam is in there. 
and he's playing, uh, and I see him, and I I just fanned out. I was just like, Jimmy Jim, man, you don't understand. I, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know how to play keyboards. Wait, you, I wasn't, that's I the first time you're meeting him? I had seen him at, like before. Like, <laughs> I, no, first time I met him was at Flight Time when they, when they had Rhythm Nation, right. um, the Rhythm Nation premiere of it. Mm-hmm. And I got so depressed, I just wanted to kill myself. I was like, <laughs> I, I went to Flight Time. Uh, they had they was showing the knowledge videos and the whole Rhythm yeah, Nation yeah, 1814 yeah. thing. And I was just outside, just like, like crying. I was like, I'm never gonna be this good. This is awful. Like, I don't know. That's that's when I did the one of TLC tip record. I was like, gotta make it where you can see it, where it's a little more vivid. That put know? the battery in your pack. So okay. I had, so when I saw him at, with Michael, I was just like, yo, man, what he had to be like, this is Michael. And I was like, oh, Michael, hey man, Jimmy Jam. So, like, uh-huh. so and I felt like Michael didn't get enough uh energy from me that time. So he um uh, and then he played Scream, and I was just like, Oh, oh yeah, I go again. God damn what I did just hear. He's like, bang, 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 bang. Mm. And I was like, okay, now how am I gonna? What am I gonna do now? Like, cause this shit just sounds crazy, you know. And then it's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doing Michael Jackson, so it was like, I, I was just kind of lost for it. So then he took me, you know, took us in this room after a while, and like, you know, a room where you have all your like teddy bears and your, right, you know, if you're gonna be in a studio for a long time, it's like your room, your lounge. Yeah. And this dude just start putting in tapes, like he's like, so so this is when I was like, you know, there's three hundred thousand people outside and three hundred thousand people inside, and you know, and, and and so you see him chant, Michael, Michael. He carries his own highlight reels. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> After he took that out, I'm, he's like, oh shit, that's him. Then he put in another one, and this is when boom, he's looking at it, and it's African people, Michael, Michael. That's all they can say. And he's, like, I was building hospitals, and oh, and this is me with Charlie Chaplin. So every time he's sticking another tape, I stop being like scared to look at him. Cause I'm like, that's that motherfucker, you know. Right. It's, it's working, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And the last one he put in was the. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this before, but it was it's him sitting at the piano, and he's singing "I'll Be There," and he has a tank top on, mm. and it's like doing the like remember the time kind of phase, right? Right. Um, and then he keeps seeing little Michael saying "I'll Be There," and he's in the doorway. He looks back, and little Michael is in the, oh, the doorway. Pepsi commercial, right? It's a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> But at that time, he shot it as a like he he would shoot commercials like that as demos, and then wouldn't even use them. What? And like, he shot that on his own and sold it to Pepsi? Yeah. What? Wow. And it said something like, isn't it good to be great or something on it? Mm-hmm. During the project, he was just so you know adamant about being paranoid. He was paranoid in that different way because that's the history record. You know? Nice. I, I was going to ask about They Don't Care About Us yeah. and also this time around. Were you there for uh, when they tracked Big's uh, vocal? Oh, yeah. Me that? and Big is sitting in the car outside Larrabee. Um, I called Puff and I was like, yo, um, first I asked Michael, he said, what a rapper for this song? I want somebody that's really street. You know, so I said, what about Naughty by Nature? He said, oh, I need somebody harder. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, so I said, all right, well, well about Biggie. Yeah. This always be, yeah. You, you know you know him. So yeah, so I called Puff. I said, yo, you uh, <laughs> send Biggie out to work with this Michael Jackson record with me? Like, yeah, he out now. So Biggie, he comes out, me and him sitting in the car smoking and playing a song over and over again. He's just like, yo, I can't believe I'm sitting in the car with you, bro, writing on some Michael Jackson shit. This is crazy. It's just like, you know. And so he's writing a rhyme. And so after he finished, he says it to me. And I'm like, I don't know. That might be too hard. He's like, I'm making a profit, G. I'm a killer motherfucker. I ain't joking. Uh, and those smoke got me token. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, and I know my nigga Mike like right. that. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, hey. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, well, let's just go play it for him. But I don't know. Mike, you might have to tone it down some. I don't know, right? <sighs> As soon as he played it for Michael's like, I love it. That's exactly what I wanted to say. That's exactly what I wanted to say. What I want to know is because you know, at the time, you know, Tom Snetton was on it was on his ass. So I know that Mike was was riding the razor of 
litigious situation, you know, changing his name around and all that shit. I mean, was there anyone that was in the room that's sort of like, hey, dog, you shouldn't talk shit about hard, the yeah. DA that's like. Well, dude, you got to realize this. During that time, he was the most, you know, sought after person on the planet. Remember the plane kept landing? Yeah. In different places. So he said, he said, he said Dallas, this was horrible. You know, they, uh, you know, he said the plane was landing in different places and taking off and they're looking for me. And I'm sitting in the hotel room in Russia looking at it. The, oh, wow. the, the Russian government hit him. And Stranger that's when Moscow. he wrote Stranger in Moscow. Wow. He's watching it on TV. The planes keep taking off and landing. He, and, but he's in the KGB mm-hmm. is after me. He's writing a song mm-hmm. <laughs> watching this happen. And the whole world is looking for him and Russia's hiding him, right? So by the time he comes up from all of this, his history record was to like show everybody. So the first thing he did was he went and got the whole Brazilian army. So when you look at the history trail again, and I was wondering why he told us to do this. He sent us to the Museum of Tolerance. You ever been there on, on Pico in LA? I walked past it. I didn't know no. what was in there. That place is fucked up. So, because you go in there and it's the Museum of Tolerance. It tells you, you know, you walk through, uh, when you first get in there, start calling your names like Spick, Nigger, really? Cracker, White Boy. Yeah. And then you, it shows you uh, what happened to all these different races, like, you know, kids in Africa, kids in, the, in, in um, you know, Atlanta where they spraying the kids with the water hoses and stuff like that. So you're going through this whole place and, and at the end that you're in the um in the gas chamber in the Holocaust. And by the time you get out of that place, you're just like fuck everybody's looking at each other all fucked up because you didn't know that this race did it, that people are crying, you know. And so I'm like, why did he make us go see that? So we get back and he's take the, the film that they show in there is the is the uh Hitler film. Mm-hmm. And he's Got the army and they're marching past these like these pillars, and then you see a little dog, and then you see the army marching more, and then when Hitler gets to the top, the flags come down, right? So Michael mimicked the same film mm. for history, right? Okay. So if you look at the history trailer now, I got it. He yeah. got the whole Brazilian army. He went to just say, "Hey, can we shoot a thing?" But the whole Brazilian army goes, "Yeah, we'll be in your trailer for your new album." So they're marching, and they're marching. They got a little dog come around, just like the thing, and then the flags come down. It's the same thing. Yeah. Then he had the silver wow. statue with the helicopters flying. Yeah, around, he had the big right? statue. Yeah, right. Yeah. The star so, yeah. yeah. So when when he started going at Tommy, right, and started going at Sony and all that, the first thing they said was, "Okay, well, you said kike me, and they don't oh, care I about us. Care yeah, about I remember us. That. Yeah. Take those records off the shelf." So they took all the history records off the shelf. Remember that, right? Because yeah. he said kike me. Yeah, but then it wasn't just kike me. He had the whole he did the whole Hitler thing where he mimicked the Hitler video. So they start coming to him hard. Then going, you know, and for him. So for reference, in case our audience is a little confused, like he he's basically going down the list of everyone in history that's been disparaged and yeah, spit on or whatever. But again, taken out of context. Yep. You know. He never saw that one coming either because that's just yeah, the song. Yeah, both re- like, versions kick, of know? the records where yeah. both references are on. But yeah, I feel like the blackballing of him started really it, when... It started then and it started with that war with him and like Sony and then ATV and then it just started that whole... Remember, and then, then the he's, going down the, he's going down to uh, New York City with Al Sharpton and him yeah. on top yeah. of the, the red buses and yeah. the, you know... Then the videos of him with the FOI start and, coming and the, out. And the video of him where he said, uh, you know, I had to help Mariah out a little bit, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't remember. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, no, he get, there was oh, that press no, conference he, he did. He was at a press conference. Yeah, 
Oh, he said she had to come crowd my shoulder a little bit. He turned oh, real Indiana. I'm late. I'm he, like, yeah. oh, I'm oh, late. No, he yeah. turned, yeah. he little turned. body rolling. And, 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 and his voice got deeper when he said it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Ooh, yeah, you might, yeah. You think like, you yeah. know Mike. I'm Joe Jackson's son. Right? Yeah, he's from Indiana that night. Yeah, he was Indiana at that point. Wow. But what's crazy is he would say, like, you know, he would broadcast itself like you know when he when he had the uh the shirt on and he broadcast itself the red shirt and he's saying I've been humiliated I've been they you know they checked my house they checked my private parts all this he he took a satellite to Neverland and broadcasted that himself and then said okay y'all can tap into this he's like so because he was in Dallas if I go to their networks and do it they're gonna cut up my words and they're gonna make it say it's what they want Oprah. me to say I want to be con- yeah I want to be yep. controlled so by he image. told him okay anybody want to know what I gotta say y'all seven o'clock you can come into my satellite and that's that what went all across the That Instagram. was the first IG Live. <laughs> Yo. Yo. He had relationships with people that the, the most countries didn't have. Like, in, you can go into any country yeah. and they're going to love Michael Jackson. They might hate our president. They might hate the government. So all different presidents all around the world love him. And when we were at the uh, studio one day, he said, uh, Dallas, I did a hospital in Africa. But look what the United States did. They put on the cover that Michael Jackson thinks Africa stinks because he's holding his nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Look at this. So, so people are going to come by today from the studio just to thank me or whatever. Dude, it looked like coming to America. <laughs> they came in with the rose petals. Mm-hmm. They came in with the giant yeah. lion heads and gold. And there was a king and queen of some point in Africa coming to thank him for the hospitals and, and what he had done. And, you know, so when you have that kind of like influence around everybody, it's, it, 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 when you get on somebody's bad side, then it's just you got to watch out for everybody. Right? Right. You, know, you don't know who's coming at you. That kind of power don't exist no more. Oh, no, no. He's the last of that one. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, just just as a fan and at a per, as a person that had an immense crush Dog man, what happened with for real? For real. I loved they that. was so dope. Yeah, okay, wait, side story. Okay. So maybe the second time I went to, to LA, um, I was supposed to meet them. It was like four beautiful sisters. They all had close crop cold, hair. Cold, short haircuts. Right. Sexy as shit. Um, they couldn't make it. And I happened to be across the street at a restaurant, like a, a health food thing. And that's how I met the Jazzy Fat Nasties, oh. who just then wound up moving in my crib and all that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. But my intention was like to sort of bring for real into, you it was know, like a couple different body. They types came in out that like you produced this joint. It was yeah. like straight sixties on the Amy Winehouse yeah. tip and all that stuff. And like I do it. They all had short. Yes. They were like the original, like before but like, Erica. Why was kind of like thick. Yep. Yep. All I remember. Them. No, no. They all were different. I remember this. Well, nope. You know. I mean, I'm a booty watcher too. But it's, it's weird. Be- yeah. Like, it's it's weird because, like, I was looking to, like, team up with them. There there was a group called For Real. There was another group called, I think, Step Brother. Yep. I'll be hanging around. Like, like they were, like, the singing Far Side. Yeah. Like, I thought, okay, let me collect them and then I'll make a crew or whatever. Well, but Step Child. Step Child. Yeah. I knew it was something. Step Child. But, yeah, with For Real, uh, yeah, she ended up. Nisi ended up marrying David Gates, who was my right hand man at Rowdy all those years. Okay, and, and then they ended up having children, and then just going on with life. I remember seeing some of their names on like Stevie Wonder records. So like yep. he would occasionally have them sing background, but I always wanted to know what happened with them, man. Like, what was the uh, reason for your two labels? You had Rowdy and you had um, oh god, what was that label? You had Limp or Rowdy or like uh, Limp, 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 yeah. Limp. I had Limp at EMI just because it was supposed to be like the. Things that were slightly different. Alternative. So, yeah. And then Clive was giving me junk about Rowdy at the time, you know, because I wanted to keep it Rowdy. And not, I didn't even, I didn't want to sign that. Like, Monica, I didn't think it was Rowdy. Um, but yeah, I had like, to. Why wasn't she on Rowdy? Well, she was on Rowdy. She that's what I'm saying. Here. But I had to. I remember seeing her face. Or... Yeah, she was on Rowdy. But, okay. but I had to end up signing her because of all the other debts of Fishbone and other stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. And so I said, well, let me just go do what I know how to do. And. So we ended up signing uh, Monica there, but it was always to kind of offset, you know, having a different brand in different places or the type of music you're making. Is she one of your artists that you always make music oh, with? Oh, I love Monica. She's my. Oh, that's okay, my, I was scared, but I wanted like to. My, do. No, okay. Monica's like my daughter. Yeah, she's yeah. always been my like. Yeah, she's she's got the same team around her that's been around her since we signed her. Oh, good. So when we that's come so back, good. we can get her because. That oh yeah, one, okay, she has good. the same. I'm Melinda okay. and I'm a mom, and she's the most. You know, the thing about Mo is that 
she grew into the songs as she got older because the songs were so grown. grown so yeah. singing Why I Love You So Much Now makes sense. It resonates. And it's like yeah. you hear people singing in the audience, you're like, And when she sings 13. it now, it's like, yeah, she feeling it different. Oh, than yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's yeah. a whole different story now. God, know? she sounds so great still. Yeah. What was the, uh, for, um, for just one of them days, Backseat LL? Yeah, dude. That's what me and Clive got into it about. That's when I was going to leave Arista because I turned in Don't Take It Personal. And he's just like, oh, man, it needs a bridge. I was like, no, no, no. It's a, she's 14. She's singing over backseat of the Jeep. Just one of them days. Don't take it personal. It's ignorant. It's supposed to be like that. <laughs> yeah. Because it was trying to say, them days? And I'm like, yeah. Did you know how we would affiliate that with something biological? Or, or did you just... I, I, well, it's just one of them days. You know, like, right. It's going to be, you know. And for her, when, that's I, when, what when, I first yeah. saw, when I first saw Monica, she would always come in. She had a little... Green bra, gold rings on, mm-hmm. and a little sweatsuit with a bunch of little bitty chains on, like you know all the ghetto girls look in, in mm-hmm. the back then. And she would come in, and she was just saying the greatest love of all, and she'd be like, "Okay, am I done?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she'd go about her business, and I'm like, "Damn, this attitude is bigger than I'm singing. It's crazy." Oh, yeah, I and so story. I kept telling Clive and them, they, they kept trying to come with these Diane Warren and all that. I said, "Not yet. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. time. You got to sell this attitude. Like she's D from what's happening." <laughs> you know yes. what I'm saying? She's always in grown folks' business, and she always like well, she gave us a PMS neck, like, anthem. So yeah, yeah, man. we was like, don't take it personal. It's one of I'm days. so proud of what she's grown into just as a mother and a yes, person. Period. Yes. You know, she she got a, always had her head on straight. Always been just like the best. Is there anything that you have yet to do? Is there anything left on the bucket list? Yeah, I mean, what I'm doing now is having DA having my own distribution company, DAD. Wow, and. Over the course of the pandemic, I just dove really hard into my distribution company because I want to make a difference in the way stuff is distributed because you're making no money. So luckily, blockchain came along, and now I have a protocol that I launched in November where it would allow you to choose your own streaming rates. So you can choose your own streaming rate on music. You can stream for $10, $0.10, cent, $0.02. Cent. You can stream for a year, five months, forever. It's up to you. You can sell it. As an artist. As an artist. Okay. For all your content. Okay. And um, I'm implementing it not just on my platform, but in other platforms like Amazon. Like I want everybody to use it because that's how we're going to change the course of how the industry is at this point. You know, Spotify and all those blanket license and the blanket license trip is over. That was a band aid in the first place. Like you can't blanket license all of us because that means that nobody's going to make no money. Mm-hmm. So you got people. Well, I can see people with three, four, five million streams, ten million streams, and you're still not really making yeah. no money. So you know, the next step is when we launch this is to. You know, and it's, it's dope. I saw Meek Mill tweet about it one day. He's like, man, as soon as somebody make this direct to consumer to artists, it, yeah. you know, that, I was like, we already got it. It's launching. You can go to your, to your Apple Pay, your Google Pay, up to 50 contracts on one song. So if all wow. four of us did. All the writers, yeah. Yeah, and it comes to you instantly, to everybody. What's crazy is my auntie brain was like, you know, when you hear distribution, it was such. It used to be such a physical word, right? It it's changed. no physical, nothing no. about it no more. So user-generated content killed that. Soldier Boy killed that off because the minute you can make it in the Mac and then distribute it to your MySpace or Facebook or whatever it was, that was that ended up being distribution. So it took yeah. away all the trucks and machines and, and brick and mortar and stores, brick and mortar stores yeah. and warehouses and all that. And you know we distributed over two hundred DSPs. So like, because back in the day, a person, a, a person like you saying, "I have a distribution company," that it was no such thing. Yeah, like this is no the like, dream. This yeah. is why people went to labels because they had no distribution. Had no digital, yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, I love it because I see people signed up from around the world. Children's books, 
to Cuba, Canada, everywhere, just all yeah. kinds of stuff. And so because I'm a music person, I don't really, the volume is one thing, and most distribution companies about how much volume can we get because that's how they make money. Okay. And I'm about like, no, who's really dope? <laughs> so I'm like, you see me on Sundays just scrolling through my backside, looking at labels, looking at what they got, clicking in, who is this, what music is it? And for, I have to say, we don't, I haven't seen a lot of badass like music that would come through there. Like, it's a DIY, you can load up at home, but... I think they're trying to live up to the standard of my songwriting or my brand in a way. Yeah. And it's really good music that comes. So it's, I'm like, we got to help these people out. So are you pissing off the labels? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Soon comes. Soon comes. It's, it's come. Come. We're going to disrupt that process. Yeah, this, that process this, is old. Yes. Yeah. We got to think for the future. And, and, and you can't think of how they did it or done it and all that. It's just done already, you know? Man. One, last, one last question um, about um, just two songwriters that I've never really talked to anyone that, like, knew um, Arnold Hennings. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Y'all asked everybody to just call him my phone. <laughs> oh, word? That was, oh, wow. Arnold outside, like, motherfucker. <laughs> right, right, right. Arnold Hennings and, uh, and also uh, Deborah Killings. Oh, Deborah's, you know I mean? Deborah's like the best kept Atlanta secret. Yeah, she um, she She's she sung on every song I've ever done from like all the backgrounds on Creep or What About Your Friends or like all the Outkast records and she's an amazing bass player. Her bass player. Yeah. And I was like, Hello. She's a bass player. And Arnold, he did Don't Cupid. Stop. He did Cupid 112 but yep. he also did uh, the Take Our Time joint. I yep. thought that was you for the longest yep. on the uh, TLC album. Yeah, that was sure my did. favorite Arnold Hiddens was dope, man. It's like, I, I, one of the things I, I, I did when I came in the game is like I bought producers together to try to give them the opportunity I wish I had. Mm. You know, instead of me getting ripped off or and work for higher contracts or whatever, I was like, well, let me just find people that are dope and then give them the same opportunity, but then make it where they're going to make their money. Mm. You know, so Arnold him and Tim Bob went on to be, you know, yeah, way out of here. It, yeah. yeah, bro. So I, I, we just love music like that. And I just want to make it where I, I feel bad when, I mean, I feel glad that I came up in an era where we made money. But now it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's shady. It's 60,000 records going out, out there and it's not enough, it's just not enough money in that blanket license to pay everybody. Okay. Why didn't Silly Ho <laughs> take <laughs> off like I wanted to come back? Yo. Justice for Silly Ho. No, I'm serious because did. it was like, it should have had a video. It, 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 it sounded so industrial. Yeah, like, bro. I felt like Rhythm Nation meets like Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, Fan Mail was one of my favorite albums I did because uh, it was just the concept alone. When Lisa first came in one day, she goes, yo, I got a concept. It's called Fan Mail and we can put all the artist names on the back that, that, that sent us letters from the fire and all this. And I said, oh yeah, that's brilliant. I can hear that already. I know what to do. And then she goes, yeah. And then the rest of it's called Fan2C.com. And I said, what is that? Well, you know, we could be playing with ourselves and doing this and that. Oh, oh wow. No, what? Now, now what's I interesting is... OnlyFans. Well, she was the first OnlyFans. Right? <laughs> she always was ahead of her it time. Was, it was what OnlyFans is. Now, back then, of course, me and all the rest of the girls were like, are you crazy? Yes. You know, she's like, look him doing it and this person doing it. We got to be like... And so then, because me and the girls were like, uh, no, we can't come off waterfalls and you guys are having, you know, people play play with yourself and mm, give you money. <laughs> and then she goes, right. uh, okay, well, I quit. <laughs> Oh wow! That's when she quit. That's when she quit the second time. Oh. She closed, so she quit right at the beginning of fan mail, and so then I had to like so all the so I created virtual Vicky. I had to go to my computer and take the voices, sample each word, and make them rap. Like you know, you can't get with this one night. You just go and bust find your whole two, give it up because oh. you couldn't have no rhythm. So you had to put it on the keys to make it have rhythm because she quit and we didn't have a rapper. So I said, "Fuck it, we create a rapper." And we created the virtual Vicky character, right? Nice. So in the beginning, she goes, "Welcome." We dedicated this album to everybody that sent us fan mail. That's computer talking, just like you. I get lonely too. That's computer, the silly whole rap. The, all the way up to the whole record. You created she the first AI rapper. I'm a sucker. <laughs> See, aren't you glad that I asked that question? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. wasn't. Uh, it worked out. And, and so when we did Silly Hole, 
we had we had the album done, but we didn't have no scrubs. And so I heard uh, I went over to, to uh, Tricky and Shakespeare's because I I had them working on um I had Shake and Tricky working on the JT Money stuff for me at the time. Like who that? Oh, who that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So when I went to check on that, they played me no scrubs. And it was for Candy and Tiny. And I was like, oh, I'm like, oh. give me that song for TLC. I make it a single. Silly Ho it just rolled out as like a pre. Right. It was like they're about single. to do all that. Yeah. BB's gangster. But I like if you give me that song, um, I'll put Chili on the verses, which we haven't done before, and then this will be their single. Mm. They said, you guarantee it. I said, I guarantee you, give me that song, we make it a single. And so then, because No Scrub came in last like that. So wait, t- Tiny and, and, and they, well, Lord, Tiny. High, t- Lord High, forget Candy. Tiny and Candy not pissed at all. Did oh, they understand oh, the did potential? They find out of they even know it was oh, no, no, they was happy because they, they, they wrote, wrote it. it. That's what I'm saying. So they oh, weren't okay. pissed at all that they didn't have to sing. Oh, no, they, they wrote it. Oh, they and then that took, that's what made Candy take Hell off. Yeah. Like after No Scrubs, then Bugaboo and Destiny, all that stuff started coming with her and Shakespeare. So that was like, you know. I remember that. It, is Tron doing anything musically now? Or? Tron's doing music. He's doing his, his own. How old is he thing. now? 25. Good God. I'm this sorry. Is, I can't even is, imagine Tron. Tron is. Him and Chili Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, he's making me old. Dog, I, I, we've been waiting for this. This is way beyond yeah, uh, what you, we oh, expected. Thank you. I didn't oh, I think you were going to come with stories I, and. Oh man, I'm walking stories all my life, bro. I've worked with so I've been blessed to work with so many people. That the next just, movies just will like, be. What's the, I'm just saying, Dallas. Oh, well, I got a couple of them coming up now. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, yo, from Sugar Steve and Laia and Fontecolo and Unpaid Bill, the great Dallas Austin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the music, man. For real, this is awesome. And we will see you next time. Quest Love Supreme. Check it out later. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.